wish this morning sun drags me into one more day of reaping what I've sown, of living with my shame. Welcome to my world and the life that I have made. One day you're a prince, the next day you're a slave. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> Larry, I can count on you, Larry. <laughs> Wonderful. We're going to ask everyone to come on in and take your seats. 
We are glad that you're here this morning. Did everyone have a good week? How many people are enjoying the sunshine and 60-degree weather? Can the wind just stop blowing? Well, please? yeah. Yeah, the wind's coming. And the rain, we've got a little rain. This is a sweet time of the year. I love spring when we see all the new life coming out. Down in the springs, you're seeing leaves. It's coming, guys. The leaves are coming, so I'm excited about that. We're glad you're here this morning. So would you stand with me as we begin our time of worship together? Stand against 
pray with me this morning. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit here. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, Almighty One, beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega, our precious Father, thank you for being here. Thank you, Lord, that we get to come into a building publicly to worship you. I pray, Jesus, that it will be pleasing to you this morning, that this will be our offering to you as we've waited the whole week to gather again as brothers and sisters in you. I pray, Jesus, that you will feel welcome here in this place to move around us, in us, and through us. And I pray, Lord, that your word will just bury down in our heart today. And, Lord, it'll just produce major fruit coming out of us, Jesus. We are your people, and we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do. We praise your mighty name. We just thank you for all the things that you've done through the week, Lord. Thank you for being here this morning, Jesus. We ask for your anointing on this service. And I just pray that you'll meet all of us right where we're at as we come in and you peel off the cloak of our week. Lord Jesus, let us focus on you. Turn our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to your throne room. And let us step into it boldly. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Would you guys turn and welcome one another? We're glad you're here this morning. Good to be together today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. I think we've started that already. Get those last handshakes and hugs in and have a seat. Everybody get that nice blue bulletin this morning. If you didn't, raise a hand and our usher guys will bring one around for you. It's a loaded one today. And in that nice blue bulletin, you've got a green connection card. Let me see if you can tell who's standing behind the connection card this Sunday. Dr. Virgil Askren, our Colorado District DS. That's a great shot of him. I think he always ought to hold something up. No, just kidding. Anyway, if you're new to us today and could give us an email address or a cell number or anything that we can get back in touch with you, we'd love to have that info. If you're a regular part of WP NAS, uh, anything you want to communicate to us, uh, do that, and uh, you can slip that in the offering plate when they come around here in just a few minutes. Who knows what next Sunday is? Mother's Day. And we've got some great giveaways for our moms especially and all our women next uh, Sunday, so be sure to, uh, I was going to say, be sure and grab a mom or a woman and come on to church next Sunday. 
and uh, it'll be a special time together. Oh, boy. My time here is nearing its end. I know it might be sooner than expected. Speaking of uh, Mother's Day, we've got a new mom as of this past Thursday. There is Emma. Now, you could pronounce that middle name Sersha or Sersha. That's Gaelic. But uh, little Emma was born on National Day of Prayer this past uh, Thursday. And uh, thank you, uh, church, for your love and support of her mom, Lacey, over these uh, months that we've been together. It's greatly appreciated that we celebrate Emma's uh, coming into the world. You know that we have a church meeting today after service. Here's some details. We'll let uh, parents with kids uh, slip out ahead of the crowd at the end of the service. You'll bring those kids right back here. Let those kids' workers come back in here. And we'll have uh, a few things to say. Take your questions. And then we'll have that uh, vote on the pastoral candidate, Dale Butler, who you met with last week. Let me just say something that I'll probably say again at the church meeting. Uh, The official vote for this pastoral candidate comes from active members here at WP NAS. But everyone's invited to participate. And I've heard a few people say, well, if I'm not a member, my vote doesn't count. It does. A pastoral candidate will look especially at those that have committed to this church and membership. But that pastor's coming to pastor everyone. And he wants to know what everyone is believing as we prayerfully consider his candidacy. So I hope everyone stays. It won't be long. Right after the service, we'll have that church meeting and uh, then be on our way. One last thing, you know, we were going last week and had a great time in Kansas City, and I got to spend a little time with this girl last week. If you're new to us, that's our granddaughter, Emmy, and she wanted to wear my hat, and she also wanted me to wear her hat, and so there you have it. Grandkids are the best, anyway. We're going to receive the morning tithes and offerings, and I'm going to invite our ushers to come. I'd like to offer a prayer of thanks for all the ways God has blessed us. Amen. Uh, did you wake up today? Yes, you did, because you're here, and uh, it's a beautiful day here in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, we're uh, breathing and thinking clearly, seeing and hearing. It's uh, just great, all that God has done for us. And, Father, we, we give not only our money, our tithes, our offerings, but our time, our talents, our abilities, our life experiences, our, our lives. Back to you in gratitude for the gift that life is to us. I thank you, Father, for the gift these uh, folks have been to, to Kelly and I. I thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come. And Lord, uh, we just pray your blessing on this offering. Uh, Use what's given to advance your kingdom, to meet needs of people, and to uh, bless others. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
change me got to do something before I got down here. All our kids need to go back there and 
find Sharon and go to your kids' church time. Amen? Okay. Nothing like interrupting the flow. There you go. Back to worship. <laughs> That's all good. I needed to catch my breath, so that was perfect timing. <laughs> uh, isn't it fun to laugh with Jesus? He gives us joy, even if it's a hard time. He gives us joy, and we can still smile, and we can still have laughter, and I just think that that alone is a miracle in itself. So, oh, You got your breath now? Everybody got your breath? Okay, let's continue to worship Jesus.
Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is. 
just thank you and we praise you. We thank you that a holy, almighty God has invited us into fellowship with him. Father, we thank you and we praise you when we are here because you have invited us to be here. We are here to worship you. We are here to give you honor and praise and glory. You are a good and faithful God. And we thank you so much that we can be in relationship and fellowship with you. We thank you, Father, that you have also called us to be in fellowship with one another. And I think about Jesus' prayer in John 17 when he prayed that his followers would be one just as he and the Father are one. And Lord, we are a testimony to our community and to our world when we are unified. And Father, how I pray for the unity of our church today. I pray for the unity of the church all across our district, our Colorado district, that we will be unified and that the world, our community, our families, our church family, those um, who observe us will see that we are one and that they will see the love of the Holy Father through that. Lord, I just pray that you'll be at work in a powerful way today in our church. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here to this place. Lord, you have been so good and faithful to us. And Father, I pray, um, especially for Gary Allen this week, I pray, Jesus, that you will hold him close at the loss of, of his wife, Diane. I just pray, Lord, that he will know that you are with him, bring comfort and help to him. I pray also for Jerry Garcia, who had surgery and is, is struggling um, after that surgery. And I just pray that you'll just continue to bring healing and help to him. And Father, we just pray for others that are going through uh, medical times, medical issues uh, this week. I pray for them and just pray that you will be with them. And Jesus, we just pray, Father, that uh, you will be with Ukraine. And we especially lift up those that are working hard to, to help the people of Ukraine. Keep them safe, Lord, and just stop this war, Father. And, Lord, we just love you. And I just pray for any, each and every one that is here. And I pray, Father, you know us. You know whatever it is that we might be going through. And we just pray that you will meet us at our point of need. And, Lord, draw us closer, closer to you. Father, if there's anything in our lives that is hindering our relationship with you or with um, those, uh, those others here in the church or in our community or our families. Lord, help us, Jesus, to let go of that. Please, Jesus, we confess our sins to you. We confess our failures to you. We turn from those sins, and we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. And, Lord, we know that when we do that, you are faithful, and you forgive us of all of our sins, and you purify us from all unrighteousness. And, Lord, we thank you for that. Father, just um, open up our ears and our hearts to the message that you have put on Richard's heart today. And I just pray, Father, that you'll just continue to be at work in this service today. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to invite Richard to come up. Richard and Barb Sundermeyers, they are retired pastors from the Topeka, Kansas Church of the Nazarene. 
They came to us about six months ago, and I tell you what, what a blessing they have been. We are so thankful for them. They may have retired from their church in Topeka, but they sure haven't retired from ministry. <laughs> and they have been busy here, and we are so thankful. And Richard has agreed to come and, and give us the message today. And so we are praying for you and just invite you to come and share what God has put on your heart. When I preach, I normally start with a question. So guess what? You get a question. On the screen, you see a symbol. Does anybody not know what that symbol represents? If you don't, raise your hand. There's an AED box over there, and we'll hook that up and make sure you're still okay. We all know that is the symbol, the trademark of who? Nike. We know that. Now, I, I understand in, in culture and things that are going on today, there's all kinds of things that decisions that Nike is making. We're not going to go there. That's not what, this, what, what it's about. But let me ask you this. What do you have in your wardrobe, at home, in your golf bag, wherever, that has that symbol on it? I, did a, did, I looked at my stuff. I've got a, several pair of socks with a Nike symbol. <clears throat> I, play, I have a set of golf clubs. I hit a little white ball. Some people call it golf. Some people don't. The, um, the balls I like to use have that Nike symbol on them. And I even have a couple shirts with it. How about you? What, what do you have? I bet there has to be somebody here with a pair of shoes. Exactly. A pair of shoes that have Nike on it. You can't go to a shoe store without seeing Nike, can you? What else? Anybody else? What do you have? Ball cap, exactly. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know how you manage that, but yeah, I know. Okay. Anybody else? Socks? Okay. Okay, keep that in mind. We're going to do a huge tangent. Just, just kind of let that set there. We're going to do a huge tangent. Let me ask you this question. I think it's on the screen. What does it look like when you are tempted to move away from God, to move away from Jesus, to move away from Holy Spirit? What does that look like? When you discover that you're being tempted with some action, some thought, some attitude, how does, how does that come at, at you? How does that attack you? Or maybe it's when you discover that your reputation is being attacked. Maybe you discover that you're facing mountains that seem like they're insurmountable. Maybe it's like when you know that with what you know of God is being called into question. What does that look like? Would anyone care to address that? You don't have to share personal stuff, but what does it look like when you are attacked? Anybody? I'm sorry? Ugly? Fear? I'm sorry? And, oh, exactly. Anxiety? I, oh, <laughs> that's a big one, isn't it? 
it's, uh, particularly as that goes further and says, I'm the only one that's going through this. Nobody else in the world has, has ever experienced that. We, we, we've all been there, haven't we? We know what that's like. <clears throat> Let me give you my experience with those kinds of things. My experience is this. Rarely does Satan announce himself as coming at me to tempt me or to attack me. I, I, in fact, I can't tell, tell you of a single instance where Satan has told me ahead of time, guess what, Richard? I'm coming at you. Better get ready. I don't think I'm the only one there. You see, our adversary, we have an adversary, has declared war against us. And he knows that if he were to announce that he's coming after us to attack us, that we would immediately do certain things. That he would immediately, that I would immediately, I'd put up my defenses. I would call a trusted believer and have them pray with me. I would go to scripture and look for verses to declare and to stand on. I would call out the Holy Spirit breath or divine rhema from Jesus and from Papa God. I have to confess, I'm just going to divert here for a minute. I use Papa God all, all the time. Because in Jesus' high priest, in the prayer that he taught the disciples to pray, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven. Father was that literal intimate term of endearment, Daddy, Papa, so that's what I use. If, if it bothers you, I'm sorry, but that's what I, that's how I want to know God as my Papa. But each of those actions are right. Those are the good. Those are the things that we need to be doing, aren't they? See, here's the deal. We're so, we're so much more successful when we live the life in Christ together with each other. And we don't try to go it alone. I mean, all you have to do is look in the book of Acts, and it's all about what? Koinonia, fellowship, living life together, supporting each other, walking with other, uh, each other. It's that verse, iron sharpens iron, when we do life together. Here's the deal. We're so much more successful when we lean on each other. And we, we, we understand that. But when, it, when, we, when, when it's not the case that Satan has announced ahead of time he's coming after us and we don't know, we, don't, we aren't prepared to go and go to a friend, go to Scripture, go to God, what do we do with those temptations when they come and we don't recognize that they're coming but they're there? How do we prepare ourselves? See, that's the question. As you might expect, Scripture does not leave us without an answer. Aren't you glad? Scripture gives us the answer. It gives us great insight, resources on how to overcome and to defeat every single attack that Satan brings our way. It's found in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. If you looked, looked in, your, in your bulletin, there's that yellow slip of paper. It has sermon notes on it and just fill in the blanks. I don't know how to preach without, without it. So you get to follow along if you'd like to. 
But how many of you looked at that this morning? You looked at the sermon title, Am I Prepared? You look at the sermon text, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. He's going to talk about end times. No, that's not what God said to talk about this morning. But it does come, the answer does come in how to be prepared from Revelation chapter 12. So, we've only been here six months, and my New Living Translation happens to be packed in a box somewhere in Parker, Colorado. So here's my New Living Translation. I'm going to read. You can read along with me if you'd like. But Revelation starting in chapter 12, starting at verse 9. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, past tense, has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him. I love this verse. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the witness of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were even afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle. Aren't you glad it was two wings? Can you imagine flying with just one I digress but they were given two wings like those of a great eagle so that she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness there she was would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time times and half of time then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flows from his mouth but the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. That's us, that's followers of Jesus. Remember earlier I said we're in, Satan just declared war against us? It says it. Against her children, all who keep the, God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea the word of the lord i guess i'm not going up there is that okay okay now if you if you're like i am anytime i read anything in revelation and see all of that symbolic language i scratch my head i question i wonder what in the world is going on am i the only one it's sometimes challenging. It's always challenging. Not sometimes. It's always challenging. I've come to learn that there's only one authority expert, one we can go to to understand Revelation. It's Holy Spirit. He gives. He will give us insight, truth, 
revelation if we'll just listen, if we'll ask. But that's not the point. That we're not going to talk about that stuff this morning. Because what we're going to discover, there's great truths here that speak to us about every time that Satan comes after us or try to tempt us or try to attack us. So let's jump right in. Verse 9 is what our sermon text is, and it says this. The great dragon, the ancient serpent, now catch this, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. This one verse tells us exactly who's coming after us. And his name is what? Satan. And how does he come after us? And he manifests himself in different ways as a dragon, as a devil, as the beast. It says it right here. And, and this is, comes from God. You read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. God is the one who birthed Revelation. He gave it to Jesus. He spoke it through his angelic messenger. To who? To Apostle John for us. It's supposed to be a blessing, but it came from God. That's why this verse is so huge. It, because it describes the multiple. God tells us, you're gonna, Satan's declared war against you. He's tempting you. He's attacking you. And these are the ways that he does it. As the dragon, as the devil, as the serpent. So even when he attacks us, even when he tempts us, sometimes he does it indirectly through other people, through people he can excite, he can manipulate. They don't realize it's going on, but they, they become his instruments. Sometimes it's even through other people when it's not done directly. But still, this, this verse tells us how he does it. So let's read it again. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth. So our adversary has a name. It's Satan. He comes after us as the great dragon, as the devil, as the serpent. We're familiar with those terms, aren't we? We've heard those before. But why are they so important? I, I think that's the question. How exactly do they inform us of the ways that Satan comes against us? I'm glad you asked that question. That, that's the kind of question I ask. So check out these realities. This is in your sermon outline, but about each of these synonyms of Satan. First one is dragon. There you go. You see, you see a, some Greek language there. I'm not gonna, we're not going to worry about that. You see that number in brackets? If you have a Strong's Dictionary, that's the number you would look up to see what that word dragon literally means. Dragon literally means a fabulous kind of serpent designed to fascinate. Well, that's interesting. Serpent, a sly snake, cunning, an artful, malicious person. Devil. A traducer, false accuser, slanderer. Okay, I was real good on all of those until it got to traducer. I have no idea. Right, let me rephrase that. I had no idea what that meant. So as any good pastor would do, I went to the World Wide Web. Rarely do I go to the World Wide Web. 
<clears throat> but I didn't have my dictionary with me, and found this. Freedictionary.com says, Traducer is someone who makes a false or malicious statement about someone in order to cause humiliation or to disgrace them. Anybody ever had that happen? And then I went to Merriam-Webster for all the, the synonyms of traducer. <clears throat> this was really telling. Synonyms for a traducer are this. I'm going to turn around. Defamer, libeler, troublemaker, talebearer, gossiper, tattler, torturer, taunter, tormentor, libelous, tattletale, insulter, needler, mocker, tormentor, baiter, Scorner, heckler, gossip, scoffer, ridiculer, derider, parodist, river, satirist, tease, teaser, caricaturist. Remember that question I asked you at the beginning? What does it look like? Every one of those things would describe that, wouldn't it? Every one of them. We could have said every one, any one of those and been accurate. Is it any surprise? You see, these definitions of the synonyms speak volumes to us of how Satan comes after us. So, think about these realities. First reality is this. Anytime our adversary, Satan, comes against us as the devil, he is working to defame us and to ruin our reputation anywhere and everywhere that he can. I think we know that, but just, just go on record. That's what he does. Sometimes it's at home. Sometimes it's with our family. Sometimes at the job. Sometimes in the community. Sometimes it's in the church. Verse 12 that we read earlier describes Satan's actions when he comes at us as the devil. This is what it says. Verse 12, Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. I know there's other things going on in that passage, but the point is, he's coming at us. He's still Satan, but he's coming at us as the devil, trying to destroy who we are. Apostle John records for us from Jesus how that Satan comes to attack us and to tempt us. And he comes against us as what? As traducer devil. Second thing, anytime our adversary comes against us as a dragon, he is attempting to get us to believe that he has more authority and more power than he really does. This is huge. He's trying to get us to see him as this huge, large, invincible being, a dragon. He's attempting to scare us into cowering under his very perceived appearance regardless of how completely impotent that he really is. What did we read in verse 9? He's been defeated. He's been cast down. Let me, let me say that again. S Satan, as dragon, is attempting to scare us into cowering under the very perceived appearance of what he tries to present himself is, as regardless of that he is already completely impotent. We can stand on that. 
All we have to do is declare God's word. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. See, the only power that Satan has as the dragon is the power that I choose to give him when I believe his lies and his deceptions. If I choose not to believe them, he's powerless over me. But he's been really good at deceiving us for thousands and thousands of years to believe a lie. And that's what we need to know the truth. We need to know how he comes at us. The dragon shows up in this passage that we read in verses 13, 16, and 17. In your sermon outline and on the screen, there's a typo. It's my fault. It says 13, 16, and 16. It should be 13, 16, and 17. We figured that out. This is what it says. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, and then it says some other things, but it continues, but the earth helped the woman, and the woman opened its mouth, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon, again, three times, the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then finally, anytime our adversary comes against us as what? The serpent. He's attempting to confuse us, to manipulate us, to manipulate God's truth through his many devious and deceptive ways and actions. That's what he does. Verse 14, But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, and then it continues, from the presence of who? The serpent. And, and the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman. You see, this tactic by our adversary usually falls under the, the idea of getting, attempting to get us to fall for something that looks okay on the surface, but whose true nature and purpose is to cause us harm and destruction. Count on it every time. And think about it. Isn't that exactly how Satan as the serpent attacked Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. He, he did it in such a cunning way. He did it in such a way to confuse and manipulate. Did God really say? Isn't that what he does, how he tempts us, how he attacks us? Literally, literally Satan the serpent twisted manipulated, hid the truth in order to get Adam and Eve to disobey God. And that's what happened. But from the very beginning, we can see that, that very reality. His actions, his methods, Satan's actions, Satan's methods are intended, only intended to harm, to destroy us physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. That's what his design is. His, that's his end game. What does that tell us? Satan as a serpent cannot be trusted in any way, shape, form, or fashion. 
do not trust him. Anything that he says, it's a lie. It's deception. It's trying to hurt you. So those are the three great realities that come from this passage. And you did notice that even though in verses 12 through 17, Satan by name is never mentioned, but it's him who is behind it when when he functions as the devil, as the dragon, as the serpent. He changes his tactics. He changes his methods to suit his purposes for what? To destroy us. That's the truth. So I trust the Holy Spirit's been able to open your eyes to see behind the things that are going on around us, the things that are attacking us, the things that are tempting us, to see where it's coming from. We need to know that. We need to be aware. Our eyes need to be open. So the really great news is now we know. Now I know this is how Satan's work, what his modus operandi is, how he works. We don't have to be blindsided anymore when he attacks, when he tries to tempt us. We don't have to put up with his insidious actions against us. We now know what kind of actions to be cognizant of to live in victory. And if you read through Revelation, we are called to live in victory. That's what Jesus came to do. So remember, the devil attempts to destroy our reputation. The dragon attempts to get us to believe that he is, what? Invincible, and he's not. And the serpent distorts, manipulates, twists, misrepresents truth, God's truth, scripture, circumstances. Count on it. That's where it's coming from. But what are we supposed to do to not get sucked into those attacks and those temptations? See, that's the question I ask again. This is great stuff. This is God's word, so it has to be great stuff. But what am I supposed to do to not get sucked in? What can we do? What should I do? How am I supposed to live in victory? I'd like to offer, this is in your sermon outline, I'd like to offer you a number of practices that I've found in my life that are very effective. And that's all it is, is just what I've learned from experience. But these, we're going to do, go through this really quickly. Helpful practices to remain prepared and victorious. First of all, the first thing, stay continuously attuned to Holy Spirit breaths voice. Why do we start there? I I think this is maybe the most important one. Kelly mentioned John chapter 17 uh, earlier, but if you read through John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, that was Jesus' high priestly prayer that he prayed over the body of Christ and the disciples. Multiple times, Jesus declares when Holy Spirit comes, He will do these things. And what is it specifically that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do? He would speak what he hears, Jesus speaking, and he would speak to us what he hears, God, Papa God speaking. What that tells me is if I'm not listening, I'm in big trouble. 
I need to be continuously attuned to, listening for what it is the Holy Spirit says, especially when I'm being attacked, when I'm being tempted. What does God have to say about this? If I'm not going to him, who am I depending on? And how's that work for you? I'm in big trouble. So we need to start there. I'm learning to do that more often and immediately sooner than later. Secondly, we need to stay aware of Satan's tactics. This is what this morning is all about. This is how he works, how he functions. Number three, we need to implement truths from Scripture. I, I gave you a couple of passages to study, but if you really want to know what, what, how to do in the midst of temptation, what did Jesus do? Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul talks about it and tells us we're not fighting those temptations, those attacks. Sometimes they may come through people, but they're really coming from a spiritual battle that is occurring. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, and he even gives us the weapons that we have to defeat it. Four, we need to consciously take every circumstance to God's truth Asking Holy Spirit breath for understanding concerning the basis of what's occurring. You know, Holy Spirit will tell us if we ask and if we shut up long enough to listen to his voice. I know none of us have that problem, right? Especially when we pray, it's almost always a one-way conversation. We're never, anyway, I digress. Number five, we need to immediately run to God, to Jesus, and Holy Spirit. That's, we need to live there. Number six, we need to stand strong on God's truth. Where is God's truth? It's his word. We need to know it. We need to stand on it. Number seven, we need to declare out loud the victory that I ha already have in Jesus and through the power and the authority of his blood. Okay, I think we all know this, but just in case, Papa God, Almighty God, is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-knowing, all those wonderful things. Scripture even tells us that God knows our thoughts. Guess what? Satan is not omnipotent, omnipotent omnipresent, omniscient, all those things. What that tells us is Satan cannot read my thoughts. I can think those declarations against Satan to, to, to tell him to leave, but he has no idea that I've thought it because he can't read my thoughts. That's why really it's important that we declare them out loud because we declare them on the authority of God's name and the blood of Jesus, he has to leave. It needs to be verbal. Number eight. We need to confront Satan by the truth that he is already defeated, powerless, impotent. Again, quote, read it, write it down, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. He's already been defeated. He's already been cast down to the earth along with all of his demon angels. They are defeated. And then finally, Begin praising and worshiping God, giving him all the glory for his great provision, for his presence, for his power. You know, anytime you worship God, Satan will flee. He can't stand to be around it. 
our worship team, aren't they amazing? I, I, I trust you come ready to worship because when we do, when we give it our whole self, Satan has to flee. Maybe he's been a... Maybe he's even attacked you with your family on driving on the way here and it was one of the worst, worst fights you've had in years. Guess what? Start worshiping. He will leave. And there could be healing and forgiveness in your spirit and in your family and the ones that were there. So is that all we need to do? Probably not. But those are things that I have found to be very effective and powerful Anytime Satan tries to attack me or to tempt me, to declare God's truth. So the sermon title, Am I Prepared? We can now answer that question with complete assurance and preparation, knowing that God has already done his part in the equation. Now all I have to do is to live in and out of his great truth that we read earlier in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. This is what it says. And they, who are the they? That's you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, overcame. We were victorious over him. Who's him? Satan, who functions as what? The devil, the dragon, the serpent. Because of the blood of the lamb, in other words, through what Jesus already has accomplished, and because of the word of their testimony, in other words, I didn't just believe it, I acted on it. As we take Jesus at his word, moving and living out of faith, through the leading of Holy Spirit breath, we're listening, we're attentive. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. No longer living in fear, fearing dying, knowing that this life is not the end. It's just preparation for an eternity in the presence of Almighty God. this morning the message is this we have victory let's live it let's live in it yes Satan is, is, is declared war against us yes he tempts us yes he attacks us but I don't have to put up with it you don't have to put up with it either so that, let's pray together and as we do let that speak into your spirit let that encourage you to live this life he's called us to. Let's pray. God, you are so amazing to see, to realize the truth, the magnitude of what it is that Jesus already did, that, God, what you already did, so, we know, so that we're no longer powerless when those temptations, those attacks come. And God, all we have to do is stand on your word, all we, have to be, all we have to do is to believe and to trust in all that you've said and to live in it. So, God, I pray for every one of us. God, I, I speak, I declare that over every one of us, God, the fresh reality and truth of all that that speaks to us and all that you intend to accomplish through it. 
And God, even in those moments where those, those attacks seem to be overwhelming and insurmountable, like an unmovable mountain, God, that we'll remember that Satan is defeated. All he's trying to do is to deceive us, to get us to believe, believe a lie, that he has more power than he does because he is impotent. And we will stand on your word, on your truth, on the victory that we already have in Jesus. God, accomplish that in every one of us today. May our lives from today be radically, totally different as we live in this complete victory, overcoming that you have made available for us. And God, I praise you. I thank you for that. I always offer an opportunity for anyone that may be here that doesn't know Jesus. Or maybe you've chosen to walk away from him. Today is a divine moment for you just to say, God, I need Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Just pray it. Just talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of being so self-oriented. God, cleanse me. Make me new. I choose to follow Jesus. It's that simple, and yet it is that profound. God, may, may that new life well up within every one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Well, when I preach, I always have a few final words. This is only two or three minutes, so it's really short. What was that symbol I asked you about at the very beginning? Nike, exactly. It's that swish. Do you know that if you looked in, in a Greek New Testament, that phrase, and they overcame, you would find this. You would find a Greek word, nikao or nike. Nike, when they translate it from, transliterate it from Greek to English, you know what it is? Nike. Did you know that? Literally. You, I, I challenge you, look it up. It's Nike, Nikao, or Nike. What that tells me is I could rephrase Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, like this. And they, that's you and I, Nike'd Satan because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. This week, for the rest of your life. Every time you see, hold, those, hold that foot up. Every time you see a pair of shoes with a Nike swish on it, be encouraged, be challenged to live in the victory that we already have in Jesus Christ. Every single day, multiple times throughout the day, you will be reminded, let it encourage you. Pastor Kelly. that incredible message for us today and we are going to celebrate the victory that we have because of Jesus death on the cross 
We're going to celebrate that by taking communion together. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And thank you, Jesus, for dying for us so that we could have victory. We do not have to give in to Satan's schemes, but we have victory because of Jesus' death on the cross. And we're going to remember that today by taking Holy Communion together as a church family. I'm going to invite those who are helping me to come forward. I'm going to serve them first. And then I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you to come down through the center aisles and then go back around if you're, if you're physically able to do that. If you're not able to come forward, just raise your hand and we'll make sure someone comes back and, and serves you communion. We also have gluten-free available here in the center of the table. So I'm going to serve those who are serving you and then invite you to come forward. stand and come forward and take the bread and the cup and remember what Jesus has done for you.
Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you so very much for the incredible sacrifice that you paid for us. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. We thank you for shedding your blood so that we could have eternal life. Lord, forgive us for our sins. We come to you. We need you, Lord. And we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together for our closing song.
sure a great service, good opportunity to worship, great message. Let's stay alert to the devil's schemes. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might these days. Amen. And one quick announcement that I forgot uh, before, Danielle Smith, where are you? Waving her hand over there. She's trying to organize a Christian women's business organization. That sounds like a good thing in Woodland Park. This Thursday around the uh, lunch hour, 110 Reserve, uh, talk to her, and we'll try to include that in Tuesday email as well. But Danielle Smith, if you're interested in that. Okay, if you've got kiddos in the back, head out right now. Don't try to leave us with your kids. Everybody else is going to stay right here. We'll convene a church meeting in about 10 minutes. But if you've got kids, uh, bring those kids back in here and let the kids' workers get in here as well. And uh, everyone just hang out and enjoy each other. And uh, we'll convene the meeting in about 10 minutes. God bless you as you go. Uh, have a great week.